0: Hello. Hello everybody. And welcome to episode 61 of what the Funk. This is one of my favorite topics on the face of the planet today, how I transition my clients off of birth control. Now, full caveat, full disclaimer here. I am not judging anybody who is currently on hormonal birth control. Here's, here's the dealio. The thing that I am against when it comes to birth control, is the rampant and arbitrary prescription of hormonal birth control to quote unquote, treat things that don't actually need treatment because they're already signs of hormonal imbalance and the lack of education medical providers offer individuals on birth control and its actual function, which is to disrupt the pathway between the ovaries and the brain. It is the only FDA approved Medication that is meant to disrupt a function within the body and cause a disconnect between one system and another. Now, people don't get told this, and they don't also get told what the long-term potential ramifications of being on the long-term birth control are. Um, And a lot of times, unfortunately, and this is what I actually deal with a lot in my coaching is people are on birth control and now they're struggling to get pregnant, but they spent 10 years on birth control and now they can't get off of said birth control. And that's really frustrating, or they can't get pregnant because they were on the birth control. They went off the birth control thinking that they'd be able to get pregnant, but that pathway between their ovaries and their brain has been shut down for so long that it's not working properly. And so they're not ovulating properly, or if they are ovulating, their progesterone is so tanked that it can't carry a viable pregnancy or support healthy implantation. Um, and so they are unable to get pregnant because of that impact. Now I've done a whole podcast episode before on the chats on what to know about hormonal birth control, what your doctor didn't tell you, what post-birth control syndrome is. And I've kind of alluded to strategies of how I get my clients off of birth control, but today we're going to be talking about it just a little bit more in depth. And Full disclosure, this varies from person to person. So this is kind of the general overview of what I typically would do with somebody, conversations that we need to have. It's not like a, hey, I want you to go out and do this and this and this and the other thing because everybody is different. And typically when we're struggling with birth control issues, people are dealing with their own subset of imbalances and struggles regarding having been on hormonal birth control. And so we have to take each individual at their own sort of face value here. Okay. So, um, birth control, what it is, what it does, that's done. Go listen to the other podcasts if you need to. Um, I'll link them in the show notes below. Um, but uh, we also need to talk about what are your options for avoiding and pursuing pregnancy once you come off birth control, because that's usually the first question that people ask me. And that's usually the one reason why people would want to stay on birth control, which is a totally valid reason. If you're using it, to avoid pregnancy and using it for what it's meant for and not to treat a medical condition, then yes, that's birth control. That's exactly what it's meant for. It's meant to keep you from getting pregnant. Okay. Real quick coffee sip. I'm batch recording podcasts today, friends. And I forgot what it was like to talk for almost two hours straight. I don't know how I did this like in my previous career as a teacher. And I sang all the time too, I sang like several hours a day. Anyway, options for avoiding and pursuing pregnancy, um, off of hormonal birth control. So the most effective method that I will usually teach people is using your basal body temperature, using your temp tracking, um, to help track what your cycle is doing, as well as adding in LH tests around your fertile window to really kind of pinpoint what's happening. So, um, we start talking about using our body, the body, Basal body temperature. This means that you're getting a thermometer, a specific thermometer, and you're taking your temperature as soon as you wake up in the morning, preferably around the same time of day, before you've gotten out of bed, before you've had anything to drink, before you've even gotten up to go pee. Um, And some people like doing this and some people think that it's difficult. I'm one of those people that thinks it's difficult, although I used to do it, but I would kind of miss things here and there. Um, I actually personally wear an aura ring now that will sync up my temperature to natural cycles. Natural Cycles is my preferred method of tracking cycles, um, especially if you're trying to avoid pregnancy. It's very good for that. Um, there are other apps that are more geared towards trying to pursue pregnancy. Natural cycles for me falls very much in the middle where you can set it to either pursue or avoid pregnancy. You can also dump this information just into a Google sheet. I have clients that will do this and they submit their temp into their daily forms. And then we kind of look at that and track their cycle based off of their temps that they submit and we align their biofeedback with where they are at in their cycle. And that's totally fine too. That's absolutely valid. You don't need a fancy app to do this. You could just use a notebook or an Excel sheet and a $10 thermometer, a basal body temperature thermometer from Amazon. And again, you can go all the way up to getting an aura ring and having it sync up to natural cycles. Um, so that way you don't ever miss a beat. Um, I personally love it because uh, I just, I won't remember otherwise, like I just really won't. That's a me thing. However, you might be somebody who that really works for you and that's fine too. So, into the temp tracking. The reason we're watching your temp is because we want to watch and see where your temperature rises. It's going to average anywhere between like 97, 97 and a half right before ovulation and then continue rising after ovulation prior to menstruation. I recommend it really taking a solid two to three cycles to track things before you can really pinpoint stuff. And then to get further detailed information, I like adding in an LH test. Okay, your LH, which is your luteinizing hormone, is gonna peak within like 24 hours of ovulation. Um, or about one to three days before um, your ovulation is going to kind of occur about one to three days after your LH sort of starts to rise. And so that's why we would take those LH tests so we can see how strong that LH is leading into potential ovulation and post-ovulation. And then we take that data from those two to three cycles to kind of pinpoint, okay, what really is your fertile window? And this will tell us what we want to avoid or pursue during your fertile window. Um, Again, this takes time if you want to avoid a pregnancy using a condom or some other kind of barrier method or abstaining from intercourse with ejaculation um, about five days prior to ovulation uh, if you want to avoid a bun in the oven, so to speak. Um, However, if you're trying to get pregnant, then you kind of can pinpoint, okay, what is the window in which we want to try to conceive and this is really nice because you're using your body's own internal systems to tell you exactly what's happening Um, and that's sort of what I will teach people is that our bodies are telling us a lot of information and there's really only about five days where we need to avoid unprotected intercourse with ejaculation to potentially avoid a pregnancy or pursue a pregnancy and the issue is not with Oh, you're going to get pregnant any day of the any day of the month it's with that lack of education that women are given from a very young age and they just assume oh you had sex oh you can get pregnant and it's like that's actually not true there's actually very small windows in which this can happen on a monthly basis and if we learn where to identify those windows That gives us a lot of power. Um, I have several clients too that have gotten off birth control and they're not trying to get pregnant. They just didn't want to feel like a zombie anymore. They didn't want to have the headaches, have the mood swings, have the anxiety. They had a lot of gut issues. They just wanted to feel like themselves and now they feel sexy. They feel vibrant. They're more in tune with their bodies. They're kind of embodying this, like I am in touch with exactly what's going on and I know exactly how to take care of myself because I'm not suppressing an entire function within my body with a pill just to avoid getting pregnant when avoiding pregnancy is a lot simpler than we were believed it to be Um, and anybody who struggled even with like kind of trying to conceive you will kind of agree with this that it's not as easy as all that to just like oh we're gonna try for a baby and then you get pregnant like immediately it usually takes time to sort that stuff out and also keep in mind even with that it takes two to tango and you're only one half of the equation in that scenario so um how to talk to your doctor if you want to come off hormonal birth control Um, i don't recommend coming off cold turkey But I also recommend just for posterity to inform your doctor that you are going to be coming off of the pill and putting it on your medical record. Understand that most doctors within traditional Western medicine are trained to treat and manage versus optimize and prevent. So it's, that's why it's so common for them to just kind of hand somebody a birth control pill when they have heavy periods, when they have cramps, when they're dealing with acne, right? Um, But they're not gonna be super concerned with someone getting off birth control. They're just not gonna educate you about this. And then on the flip side, what I see is people coming off birth control cold turkey, having issues, going back to the doctor. What does the doctor wanna do? Wants to put them directly back on birth control, but that was kind of the thing that's causing the problems to begin with. Again, I'll link the episode to post birth control syndrome in the show notes down below. If you're curious about that, go take a listen. Um, so even if you want to avoid pregnancy, your body's ability to produce progesterone is huge. And again, we talked about how the body shuts down that pathway between the ovaries and your brain. And if you're not ovulating regularly, you're progesterone that your body is producing, the majority of progesterone that your body gets is from the actual egg itself. So if you're not ovulating, you're not gonna be producing healthy levels of progesterone. And this low progesterone is one of the major issues that I see in individuals who have been on hormonal birth control for a long time. And either we can get their body to kind of produce it again, or we have to sometimes bring in hormone replacement therapy in order to help help get it back under control. Um, and so one of the, uh, issues, some of the other issues with low progesterone that I see. Okay. And this is, and and birth control impacts more than just your progesterone. It can also tank your testosterone. It can tank your estradiol. It can essentially really lower all of your major sex hormones, which is not good. Um, but the issues that we see is irregular menstrual cycles because of hormonal birth control, which suppresses those natural hormone fluctuations, including the normal rise and fall of progesterone during your menstrual cycle over the course of the month can result in irregular menstrual cycles or amenorrhea which is an absence of menstruation when birth control is discontinued and so then again like i said somebody has regular cycles after they come off of birth control they go to the doctor what does the doctor want to do put them back back on birth control to quote unquote regulate their cycle but that's really not what's happening when you have a bleed with a cycle it's what's called a withdrawal bleed it's not an actual period it's just you've withdrawn these hormones from the body, and then the shedding of the uterine lining is sort of the result of that. It's not actually your body cueing to shed the uterine lining of its own volition. Um, impaired fertility. Again, this is the other thing that I see, <clears throat> right? Women who have been on birth control for a long time, and now they wanna conceive. Um, and sometimes it can be three years, sometimes it could be 10 years, but it can impact your ability to conceive. Prolonged use of hormonal birth control can delay that return of normal fertility function after discontinuation. Um, and it can take some time for the body to resume those regular ovulatory cycles. You might be having a cycle, but it might be an ovulatory, which is where we're not ovulating. And for those progester levels to rise naturally, which is again, why I don't recommend going off cold turkey. We want to get back into a regular ovulatory cycle within four to six weeks of coming off of birth control, which is what I'm really good at helping people do. Um, and additionally, we have people experience mood changes. So when I talk about my girls who wanted to get off birth control and they don't necessarily want to pursue pregnancy. They have been very anxious. Maybe they've been depressed. Maybe they just don't feel like themselves. Um, and because progesterone plays a role in mood regulation, people can experience those mood swings that anxiety, the depression as a result of those tampered with progesterone levels from being on hormonal birth control. And then also low libido. Again, progesterone is directly linked to your sexual function and your sex drive and you might have a decrease in sexual desire, While on hormonal birth control i definitely experienced that and it was not a good time um and i am happy to say you know the libido is back on track and normal um i absolutely my sex drive absolutely kicks up during ovulation and i'm like bitch stand down (laughs) like this is not the time (laughs) um but that's normal and that's healthy that's our bodies trying to procreate so that's just one of those things again where during that fertile window, you just want to use a couple extra pieces of protection to make sure that you're not conceiving if that's not the goal during that window. But that's a healthy sign of healthy progesterone levels in the body is that when you reach that fertile window, your libido can sometimes ramp up and that's totally normal. And then also breast tenderness, oh, which is like the absolute worst, right? Like I don't know about you guys, but I hate it when my breasts are tender. Um, And I get some of that during my period, but not nearly as severe as it used to be. Um, But low levels can, and especially specifically with estrogen dominance, with low progesterone, we can experience some additional breast tenderness. And then also potential issues with bone density. so progesterone, low progesterone can lead to potential decrease or contribute to a decrease in bone density, which is not good, especially if you are like some of my clients that are in their late 30s, early 40s, and they've been on birth control for 10 plus years. That bone density is not something that we want to play with going into our 40s and then going into our 50s, because that's the difference between you know osteoporosis and having really weird, dumb injuries because we had poor bone density. And then people may also experience migraines, might experience headaches. Um, I know that I experienced when I was on hormonal birth control, a direct impact of that was severe migraines, like so severe. And I was getting several a month and it was absolutely awful. So things to consider and things to be aware of. And this is also why I don't recommend going off cold turkey and ignoring your medical provider because you want things on record, but you also want to be smart. So things I don't do, uh, I don't recommend, like I said, doing it. Out of nowhere and ignoring your medical provider. But then, what are the things I do do? Now, these are just general concepts that I can recommend. Um, I like to introduce DIM during your ovulation and luteal phase to help support um, estrogen clearance. Most people who are coming off of hormonal birth control are going to be dealing with some form of estrogen dominance, and that um, that difference in the relationship between progesterone and estrogen during the second half of your overall cycle can really lead to some severe PMS issues. And so I like to introduce DIM to help with that management of estrogen um, during the ovulation and luteal phase. And I will start to do this eight to 12 weeks prior to somebody coming off of birth control. So we'll treat the last two months, the last two quote unquote cycles before somebody comes off as if they were off of it and introduce these supplements and minerals, um, prior to coming off. So we're essentially priming the body prior to coming off birth control. Um, I'll introduce a high quality multivitamin because birth control has, can be linked back to nutrient deficiencies. Um, and so we're going to get a high quality multivitamin. I'll link any any supplements that I recommend, the ones that I recommend to my own clients that I've used myself. I'll link those in the show notes below. We're going to increase your leafy green intake. You're going to do a whole lot of leafy green stuff. We're going to also add in some magnesium, CoQ10 and vitamin E specifically, because these can help with prostaglandins, prostaglandins as well as progesterone. Uh, PGE2 is a prostaglandin that is antispasmodic as compared to PGE1 and 3 and PGE2 takes time to develop within the system and really requires a lot of anti-inflammatory foods as well as omegas. So CoQ10, vitamin E, and then we're going to prepare for things post BC. now sometimes that first cycle after birth control is like, wow, that's the first natural cycle that I have had in years. And it doesn't always feel super fantastic. Um, So nettle tea, red raspberry leaf tea, heating pads, getting that basal thermometer to track your temp. Um, And then we like to use daily biofeedback over the course of the next two cycles to see what are the trends during your uh, follicular um ovulatory, luteal and menstrual phases and then further fine tune the nutrient and supplement recommendations as well as pay attention to training intensity. Now, I just am laughing so hard because everybody in the fitness industry right now wants to shit on cycle syncing and I'm not saying that you should just like do things arbitrarily because you're not having certain symptoms during your cycles, like just because you're on your period doesn't mean that you can't go into the gym and lift. I've absolutely gone into the gym and gotten a lift in during my period, but if I'm really not feeling good, I'm going to essentially auto-regulate. And I would do that regardless. Cycle syncing is just a way for us to pay just a little bit more attention to our bodies and rather than push through for sheer force of will actually listen. And just because you can push through doesn't mean you should. So if you are somebody who does experience high levels of PMS, Maybe backing off on intensity during your late luteal and into menstruation can be beneficial for you over the long term, but listen to your body. But it's funny because like now everybody wants to shit on it. And I'm like, why are you shitting on this? Because there's nuance to everything and everything needs to be taken with a grain of salt. And some people really benefit from this. I know for me, one of the biggest things that I've been able to do to help manage my endometriosis is pay attention to my training intensity in relation to my energy levels, depending on what part of my cycle that I'm in. And that reduces the severity of my cramps. Like, I'm not going to apologize for that. So to all of the coaches that are maybe listening to this, who should on cycle syncing, uh, maybe just take a step back and recognize that there are strategies that work in certain scenarios and that people who do talk about cycle syncing when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to movement there's nuance to it, right? There's always nuance to it. And it's not like blanket, everybody should do this. It's a, this is a general idea. And we're going to see how this general idea might apply to you and whether you see any benefit from it or not. And if you don't, we'll leave it. And if you do great and it potentially might change. So just kind of be aware of that. (laughs) That's my professional two cents. All right, you guys that is all I have for you today. Hopefully that was beneficial. I will definitely put the links in the show notes below for anything that I mentioned or or recommended. Um, and also the links to those podcast episodes that talk about what your doctor didn't tell you about birth control and also, um, what post birth control syndrome is and things that you can do to kind of help manage it. All right, you guys, thanks so much.